Amen. That's great. They did such a great job. Thank you, young people. You did such a great job singing that song. And uh, that's, a, that's a great song, too. The greatest story ever told is about Jesus. And uh, so thank you for that. You did a great job. And uh, again, I encourage you to be back tonight uh, for our service, our candlelight service. Uh, the choir will be singing a couple songs to begin. And uh, then we'll all be singing some Christmas songs together. Uh, and we'll have a candlelight service, and uh, um, yes, it is real candles that we have, all right? So I've been told that's, that's something that's very important, and so that's, we have real candles for teenagers and adults. Let me just say that, all right? For teenagers and adults, they'll have real candles, um, but for the younger ones, we'll have the little, uh, little votives and things. We're still wondering maybe if we should even not let the teenagers have real candles either, but... I mean, we've only been in this building for about a year. We'd rather stay in it a little bit longer. So we better, maybe we shouldn't let it. now. We will let the teenagers have it. So, all right. Well, let's take our Bibles this morning. Open to the book of Matthew chapter number two. Matthew chapter number two. Matthew chapter number two. Matthew chapter 2, I'm sure many of you have plans, whether today or tomorrow, to get to be with family and uh, friends, and uh, this is just a great time uh, of year. In Matthew chapter 2, we'll begin reading in verse number 1, it says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod, the king, had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophets, But thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men... Inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. And when they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Father, we do thank you that we can come this morning, Lord, just to worship you. And Lord, just to sing praises of your name. To think about what you have done for us. Lord, when we think of Christmas... Lord, just the name, it's about Jesus Christ. Lord, it's not about trees and decorations, but Lord, it's about Jesus. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, Lord, to be born in that, in that manger almost 2,000 years ago, to live on this earth as a man, to die on the cross for our sins. Lord, not just to remain buried in a tomb, but to rise again three days later. Lord, for us, you did that for us. And Father, I thank you for what you've done in my life, and uh, Lord, just offering salvation. Lord, we thank you for 
the time we have just to worship together this morning, we ask that you would just be honored and glorified through it all. Lord, as we look to you this morning, just bless in our service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, one of the fun things about Christmas is the gifts. And I was really afraid that having this gift up here behind, the kids up here would look at it and think that it was for one of them. And I was afraid they were going to take it, but they didn't. So that's great. So we've got it here this morning. The gift is still there, right? But uh, gifts, we like to give gifts. Um, You know, the lights, the lights are pretty and the decorations are cool, right? I mean, go through and you go through some of these neighborhoods and uh, I would not want to pay their electric bill, you know? I mean, the lights that they have going and some of them, how they have them synchronized and, and all this kind of stuff. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty neat what they do. Um, you know, the cookies are fattening, unfortunately, right? Uh, they're really good, though, <laughs> right? But, uh, you, know, um, you know, just... But the thing that I think most people, especially kids, look forward to around Christmas time is what? The gifts, right? I mean, the lights are cool. The cookies and the treats and the food and family and all that, it's, that's fun. But the thing that we look forward to the most are the gifts, the presents. I mean, we see them in store windows, right? I mean, they're trying to tell you this is the greatest gift that you can get your husband. This is the greatest gift you can get your wife. This is the greatest gift you can get your kids. And, I mean, it's all, it's all being pushed, you know, buy these gifts, spend money, uh, right? And it's all about the gifts, the advertisements on TV. And, uh, and then what happens? Then you start seeing presents appear magically, right? Underneath the Christmas tree or wherever, right? I'm just kidding. It's not magically, right? I'm sorry. I didn't want to burst anybody's bubble this morning about Santa and all that kind of stuff, but it's not magic, all right? Uh, somebody had to, to wrap them and somebody had to put them in the box and all that. The thing is, though, that the presents aren't just to look pretty. We wrap them up in really nice paper, but the presents are really there for one reason, right? I mean, somebody takes the time to wrap it. By the way, I did not wrap this, and you can be thankful that I didn't. It would not have looked this nice, right? But somebody took the time to wrap it. You know, there's a box, there's something inside, they wrap the paper, they put a bow, and many times you'll put the little, uh, the little name thing on there, who it's to and who it's from and everything, and, and it's sitting there. But the purpose of the presents under the tree or in the house or wherever they might be, the purpose of them is not just to look pretty. What is the purpose of them? Why are they there? Nobody knows why they're there? What is the purpose of the present under the tree? Why, why are the presents there? They're there for one reason. Come on, some of you teenagers ought to be able to help me with this. What is, to what? To be open. See, they knew. They knew exactly what they're there for, right? They are there to be opened. They're not there just to sit for a whole year. They're not there just for decoration. The purpose of the presents that are there, they are there to be opened. Now, of course, some do it different ways, right? Some do it very different ways. You have the wrapping paper savers, right? You know, the ones that they get the gift and they're like, now, well, let's be very careful how we open this. Let's, where's the tape at? And let's just make sure that we open it very nicely because we could reuse this for another gift, right? And if you're one of those 
Great, that's great. I'm, I'm so glad that you're frugal and that you, you're concerned about making sure that it's, that it's open carefully, right? But then there are the others. They're not the wrapping paper savers. They are the wrapping paper destroyers. I mean, it is just rip it apart, get into it, find out what it is. No concern about how much time it took to wrap the gift and the tape and the bow. No, no, no. It's just rip it open, right? How many of you are that type of person right there? Yeah. I wasn't going to ask about the other ones because I was afraid I would like offend you or something like that. But I, they, I, the, the rippers, the, the destroyers, you just can't offend them because they're there for one reason, and that's to destroy, right? To get it open. That's what the presents are there for, right? And then you have those who open presents different ways, right? Every family does it different, right? You have the, the families that... Everybody gets their presents, and everybody goes around one at a time, opens up a present. What did you get, Susie? Oh, that's really nice. Okay, now who's next? All right. And then they go to the next person, and then they go to the next person, and Susie's like dying. She's like, I've got five more presents here. Let me open them. But no, we've got to wait till everybody goes around and opens up one of the gifts, right? And then it comes back to Susie. Okay, now, Susie, you get to open your second one. And Susie hates it because she wants to open them all, right? That's, you've got those kind, right? And then you have the free-for-all, right? Just everybody gets their gifts and everybody just open them up all together, right? Nobody cares what anybody else got. It's all about me. I don't care what Susie got. I don't care what Billy got. I just want to know what I got, right? I mean, it's just a free-for-all. I'm wrapping papers going everywhere. Those are not the wrapping paper saver people, right? Those are the wrapping paper destroyer people, okay? I mean, it's just everywhere. But the point is that by the time it's all over, there aren't any unwrapped gifts. They've all been unwrapped, right? And if you're like, if you're like me with my kids, sometimes they like to unwrap gifts that aren't even for them. It's just a present that's there, and the present is to, to be unwrapped. doesn't matter whose name on it, just unwrap it, right? That's the purpose of the presents. When we look at this passage here, there are... So many fascinating characters surrounding the birth of Jesus, or what we would call the Christmas story. Of course, there's Mary and Joseph. You have Zachariah and Elizabeth. We talked about them last week. You have the shepherds who are out in the fields. You have Herod, of course, who is the king during this time. And uh, you have Simeon and Anna who are in the, the temple. And uh, after uh, Jesus' eight days uh, old, they take Jesus to the temple, and we find uh, Simeon and Anna. And of course, you have the innkeepers who nobody likes because they wouldn't let J the Mary and Joseph in, right? I mean, they're the ones that were just so mean, they wouldn't let Mary and Joseph in. So you've got all of these different characters that are, that are surrounding the birth of Jesus. But the characters that have always fascinated me the most are found here in Matthew chapter 2. It says, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. The characters that have fascinated me the most, I would say every time I read the Christmas story, I mean, of course, the shepherds are there. They're in Bethlehem. That's what they're supposed to, they're supposed to be in Bethlehem. They're shepherds. You know, I mean, Joseph and Mary, you know, we understand the whole process with them and Zachariah and Elizabeth and, and most of, I mean, most of these people, we understand why they're there. They're, 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 
they're kind of where they're supposed to be. But these guys aren't. They're not where they're supposed to be, or what we would think of where they're supposed to be, right? I mean, the Bible says these were, these were wise men from the east, right? So these, these are guys that are not from around the neighborhood. They are from the east. And they show up in Jerusalem here. And there's, there's one particular difference between these men and all of the other characters mentioned, whether you want to call them the, the wise men or the magi, but there's, there's one particular difference between these men, and no, it's not that they were rich or that they were wise, but every other character that I mentioned a few minutes ago is Jewish. These wise men or the magi are Gentiles. They're not Jews. These were Gentiles coming to the king, which is significant, as we'll see in, in just a little bit. Another thing that strikes me about these men is, how did they know of the prophecy of the king? How did they know? I mean, they come to Jerusalem, it says, they, they came to Jerusalem, uh, and, and what did they say in verse number two? Where is he that is born king of the Jews? How did they know of the prophecy of the king? I mean, think about it. In the middle of the Christmas story, the shepherds and the innkeepers and Mary and Joseph and, and, and Anna and uh, Simeon, and just in the middle of the Christmas story, boom! These guys appear on the scene. They show up in Jerusalem, and by the way, I don't think it was just three, okay? I know you've got the whole song, we three kings, you know, all of that. I don't think it was three. Makes it sound good for like manger scenes and all that kind of stuff, which they weren't at the manger anyway, but uh, not, not probably, probably not just three. There were probably actually in this caravan coming, there were probably, probably hundreds of people, right? There was probably hundreds of them coming, right? We just pick out three because there were three gifts, right? There's actually probably hundreds of people in this caravan that came. But all of a sudden, boom, they just show up in Jerusalem. These men appear. Now, think with me. These are, these are wise men, the magi from the east. Of all places, right, during this time we understand that Rome is the ruling power Why'd they pick Israel? I mean, why, where, where, where did they get this information from to all of a sudden show up in Jerusalem and stand before King Herod and say, these are their words, where is he that is born King of the Jews? These guys are not Jewish. Where, where did this information come? I mean, how did, they, how did they come by this, right? I mean, again, of all countries in the world, why Israel? Well, if we remember, during the captivity, many Jews had been taken captive to the West. Many of them had been taken captive to uh, Assyria, and then later, many of them were taken captive to Babylon. And again, remember, all of those places are West. In fact, one of those that we know that were taken captive became a great man in the West by the name of Daniel. 
And we know that Daniel, though he was in Babylon, though he was in this Persian empire, we know that he had the scriptures because he was reading Jeremiah. In Daniel chapter 9, Daniel is reading the book of Jeremiah, and he says, I understand why we're here in Israel, or why we're here in Babylon. I understand why we're in captivity. So Daniel, even though he is a captive, somehow Daniel has the scriptures, the Old Testament. Daniel has some of the, the scriptures that were there because he's reading them and helping to understand some of the things going on with Israel. In fact, in Numbers chapter 24, in verse number 17, it's a very interesting verse. It tells us of a star that would come out of Jacob and a scepter would rise out of Israel. Turn with me over to the book of Numbers with me. Numbers chapter 24. Numbers chapter 24. And notice in verse number 17. Numbers chapter 24, verse number 17. He says, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Sheth. Now think about this. This is a, this is a prophecy that is being given all the way back in the book of Numbers, Right? The book of Numbers is written when Israel is wandering around in the wilderness after they have been delivered from Egypt. Right? Moses, God gives Moses Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Right? So Moses is writing this and he's saying there's going to come a star out of Jacob. There's going to come a scepter out of Israel. This is the only place I believe in scripture where it talks about the star and the scepter in the same verse. And again, there's, there's, just, there's no way we can fully know what these wise men understood. But somehow, as these men are in the West, and maybe they're studying, the, as, as Daniel did, maybe they're studying some scriptures or whatever, they come across this and somehow they begin to realize what is taking place. And of course, we know that the Bible says that this star appears and they begin to follow it. Now again, why would they be reading the book of Numbers? Why would they even have the book of Numbers? Were they reading the scriptures and uh, reading, you know, the books of Moses? Were they, were they reading the book of Daniel? From, because of Daniel would have been there and maybe because the book of Daniel was mostly written in Aramaic parts of it. Maybe they were reading the book of Daniel and, and they read about Jeremiah. So they started reading the other scriptures we're not told exactly how they came to understand all of this. But there's one thing we cannot deny. Somehow, they show up. They're there. And this causes such a great conundrum. It causes a, a, a problem that Herod is concerned about. The Bible says that all Jerusalem was concerned as well because, again, think about it. Three guys showing up saying, where is the king of the Jews? I don't think that's going to cause Herod any problems. Three dudes show up like, where is king of the Jews? And Herod's like, you're a dead man. That's the kind of guy Herod was, right? We talked about that last week. But you have this entourage of hundreds of people that show up in Jerusalem. Herod just can't do away with them. 
There's hundreds of them. And they are coming before him and saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Well, that definitely worries Herod because that was his title, king of the Jews. And it definitely worries the rest of Jerusalem because they're wondering what is going on with this entourage that has come from the west looking for a new king. So we're not told exactly how they come to understand all this, but as we look at this passage, I think we see through this, these men did three things. These wise men, these magi, whatever you want to call them. First of all, Again, when we think about, when you go back to, when you go back to Matthew chapter 2, and it says they came to Jesus in verse number 11, when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary. Notice again, the house there, it's not the manger scene. I know that's typically what a lot of people think, but they're in a house now, not still in the, in the barn, right? When they were coming to the house, they saw the young child. Notice it's a young child, not a baby, young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts. They brought gifts. Just like what we would see here this morning. A gift. They opened them, the Bible says. Why? Because gifts are made to be opened. We want to open them. Some of you, maybe if you see them there, maybe you're the peeker. Do you have any peekers in here, right? I didn't say seekers, I said peekers, right? In other words, the presence there and you're trying to like, you're trying to find where it's loose so you can kind of like see inside, maybe find out what it is before you open it, right? Shame on you. But I think we find three things that these men did in this passage here. Notice, first of all, they opened their hearts. They opened their hearts to Jesus. From the time they left till they stand before Herod inquiring where the king would be born, there was one desire that they had. One desire and one desire alone. And here's what it was. This is what they said in verse number two. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come, what are those next three words? To worship him. You're saying their whole purpose Their whole purpose in coming to find Jesus was to worship. They wanted to worship this king of kings. To worship. We have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. In fact, down in verse number 11, it says, When they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother and fell down and worshipped him. Their whole purpose was to worship. They had opened their hearts and understanding, and again, we don't, we're not given the whole picture here, but they understood there was something different about this king that was going to be born. Something so drastically different that they would be willing to travel and, 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 and come and stand before Herod and say, hey, where is this king that is going to be born? We desire to worship him. They bowed down. Can you imagine that? I can't imagine the picture that must have happened that day is they finally find where the house that Jesus is at and and the Bible tells us that Mary is there and Jesus the child is there and all of a sudden this 
again, this entourage, we're not just talking about three, but this entourage finally travels from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, and they come to the house, and, and all of a sudden these people just start coming in. No doubt Mary is wondering, who are these people in my house, right? You ladies would be like, I don't know these people. What are they doing here? And the Bible says they see the young child and they bowed down. Again, these were, not, these were not the shepherds. These were the wise men. These were the magi. These were men of renown. And they come into this house and they completely humble themselves and they get on their knees and they bow down to this child. This child. Who is this child that they would humble themselves before? Who is this child that they would bow before him to worship him? This was the king of kings. This was not just any king, but he was the king of kings. They humbled themselves before a child. And friend, may I say, this is why many reject the king today. is because they refuse to humble themselves before Jesus. Many today will not accept Jesus Christ. We understand Jesus came to seek and to save us from our sin. He came to give his life so that we could be saved. And yet there are people that know the story. They know what happened, but they refuse to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ because they are not willing to humble themselves before a child. They're not willing to humble themselves before this king. Why? Because they are still king of their own life. I'm in charge. I want what I want with my life. And I will not humble, I will not bow down before anyone. Friend, can I tell you this morning, the only way that you can know Jesus Christ as your Savior is if you're willing to humble yourself before Him. You cannot come to Him thinking that you are somebody. You have to come understanding that you are nobody. And he is somebody. It's so sad that there are so many that know the Christmas story. They understand what all that takes place. They, they hear Jesus is the Savior of the world and Jesus is the King of kings, but instead they refuse to bow before him. They refuse to open their heart. Can I tell you this morning, friend, that's what Jesus is asking you to do. Would you, just like you would open a present, would you be willing this morning to open your heart to him? Would you open your heart to him? You see, it doesn't do any good closed. He wants you to open it. He won't open it for you. You have to make that choice whether you will open your heart to Jesus Christ. The wise men did. They understood that this one was different. This was not just another king. This was the king of kings. And they came to worship him. They opened their heart to him. Maybe there's somebody this morning, you know in your heart, you've not opened your heart to Jesus Christ. You know this morning that you have not humbled yourself. You think, well, maybe by just being religious, that will be enough. 
you know, I'm a pretty good person. You know, if I just keep doing a lot of the good things, you know, then that's how I'll be able to make it to heaven. Friend, no, 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 you, you've, you've failed to understand. It's not through you. It wasn't because these magi were wealthy. It wasn't because they were wise that they were able to, to have Jesus Christ. No, it was because they humbled themselves before him. Will you humble yourself before him? Will you open your heart to Jesus Christ? May I say, secondly, not only do they open their heart, but they open their lives. They open their lives to him after they, they understood, after they had been reading these scriptures or whatever it was, and they understood, hey, wait a minute, there's something different about him, and we're going to have to make this journey. We're going to have to go find this king. We're going to have to find him. Because we need to worship him. We need to worship him. Once they opened their heart, they were willing to open their lives to Jesus. You say, well, how did they open their lives? Well, can I ask you, think about the time that it took them to find Jesus. Think about the time. We don't know how long exactly they had been traveling or even exactly where they had traveled from, but we do know that they had traveled far and for quite some time. Quite some time. In fact, in verse number 7, Herod asked when the star appeared. Notice in verse number 7. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. When did the star appear? They told him. They said the star appeared at this certain time and we've been following, we've been traveling, we've been seeking this king. Herod asks, and we understand that when the wise men don't return to him, he has all the babies in Bethlehem killed that were two years of age and younger. Now think about that. Why would he have babies two years of age and younger killed? Because he inquired of when the star appeared. He found out when this star was, how long they had been traveling to find this child. Now again, we're not told exactly the, 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 the time that they spent traveling. But Herod is thinking, all right, they've been, they've been following this star for some time. And no doubt it had to be at least more than a year they have been traveling. More than a year they've been seeking for this child. Because Herod was willing to kill babies that were two years of age and younger. Killed them all. Thinking that that would wipe out this king of the Jews. So we could assume that they had been traveling for some time. Think about not only the time that it took, but think about what they had to give up in order to do this. Think about the, the things that they had to leave behind to follow the star. They left behind their families. They left behind their, their friends. They left behind their comforts. No doubt, wherever they came from, they had homes. And now on this journey, yes, they no doubt had brought provisions and things. But let me tell you something. There's just no place like home, right? I mean, you can go on a vacation and you can enjoy it, but you're just like, I just, I just can't wait to be home. You can go and see family and friends and, and visit them for Christmas and things like this, but this, there's just, we just want to be home. They left all of that. 
they opened their lives to Jesus Christ. They said, Lord, whatever you want, we're willing to leave all of these things behind to find this king that we may worship him. I wonder, what have we opened in our life to Jesus? What have we opened to him? Would we be willing to open our time and say, Lord, my time belongs to you. Lord, it's yours, whatever you want. Lord, my family, it belongs to you. I'm going to open everything in my life. Lord, my, my family belongs to you. My job belongs to you. My finances belong to you. Lord, it all belongs to you. I'm opening my life to you, whatever you want. May I say, this is one of the reasons why I believe many Christians are not willing to serve the Lord. They're not willing to open their life to Jesus. Oh, they'll open their heart. They'll say, yes, Lord, I, I believe you're the Savior of the world, and, and I'll accept you as my Savior, but uh, my life, <laughs> that's my life, my plans, my desires, my, my, all the things that I want in my life, my children, what I want them to accomplish, and, and this is what I want for my job, and this is what I want for my retirement, and this is what I want for my grandchildren, and this is what I want for all of these things. And, and we say, Lord, I'll, I'll give you my heart, but stay away from my life. These men didn't. They said, Lord, not only can you have our heart, but you can have our life. We'll leave, we'll leave all those things behind to find you. We'll leave all of those things behind to find this king of kings just so that we can worship. Let me, let me ask you a question here, right? After these, these wise men come and they, they present their gifts, the gold and frankincense and myrrh, we'll talk about that in just a second. When they left, what did they benefit from this journey that they had been on what did they get out of it because see here here's the thing when we serve God that's the number one question we ask what are we going to get out of it God if I serve you what do I get out of it God if I'm going to if I'm going to be obedient to what you want from me what am I going to get out? Lord if I tithe what am I going to get out of it Lord, if I surrender my life, what am I going to get out of it? Lord, if I surrender my kids, what am I going to get out of it? It's always about us, isn't it? What did these guys get out of it? Nothing. They came. They spent their time. They traveled, they spent their money on all of the travel expense and everything that they had to do and, and all the people that were with them. They came, they found Jesus, they, they laid their gifts at his feet, they worshipped him, and they left. They didn't get anything out of it. Because they weren't doing it to get something out of it. Our problem is we serve to get something out of it instead of just serving because of who he is. We want to make sure that we get the pat on the back. Oh, wow, you did a great job. Pat on the back. Oh, wow, you're doing such a great job. Keep it up. Oh, wow, you're just such an amazing Christian. Wow, you're so faithful. Wow, you read your Bible today. Great job. Wow, I mean, just so impressed. That's what we want. Why? Because it's about me. 
not supposed to be about me. It's not supposed to be about you. It's supposed to be about him. It's supposed to be about Jesus. They opened up their life to him, and they said, it's all about you. We're willing to travel. We're willing to follow the star. We're willing to, to, to give you the gifts. We're willing to do all these things, expecting nothing in return. They open up their lives simply to follow a star to the King of Kings. But may I say thirdly, not only did they open their heart and they open their lives, but they opened their treasures they open their treasures. And may I say, when our heart is right in worship, our possessions aren't hard to give. Can I say that again? When our hearts are right in worship, our possessions aren't hard to give. The reason why it's hard to give something when God asks for it is because our heart is not right in worship. It's still about me instead of about him. Think about what these men brought. The possessions that they brought, the treasures that they brought. Again, think about what he says here in verse number 11. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures. You understand what treasures are? Treasures are things that are important to you. Treasures are things that have worth. They have value. And they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, the gifts that they give are very interesting. The gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh, the gold suggests royalty was what you would bring to a king. They were coming looking for the king. Symbolic of Christ being the king. Frankincense was a, 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 a spice that they would bring. It suggested divinity. It was used for, for worship in the temple. It was symbolic of Jesus Christ as the high priest. Myrrh suggested his humanity. It was a perfume that was used to anoint dead bodies. Strange thing to bring a child, isn't it? A perfume to anoint dead bodies? But it was symbolic of his death for the sake of truth. And because of this prophecy being fulfilled, we see Christ the prophet. You see, all of these gifts show Jesus as the king, as God, and as man. He is 100% God and 100% man. It was not the seed of a man through which Jesus was born, but it was from God. The Holy Spirit of God placed that seed into the woman so that this man would, have, would not have the sinful nature that would be born to be 100% God and 100% man, to be able to live the life that you and I cannot live, to be the perfect sacrifice for our sin upon the cross. That's what Jesus came for. We sing the song, and sometimes maybe you've heard it, it's called Born to Die. Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem to die upon Calvary. That's why he came. He was born to die. And we see in these gifts the symbolic representation of him being king and being God and being man. 
These were treasures that they presented to this king. What is the value you put on something? How do you determine what something is worth? Someone would spend, maybe, would spend $5,000 on a diamond and say it was worth it. Somebody else might say, well, I I wouldn't do that. It's not worth it. Don't tell your wife that, okay? You see, we put value on things differently. We put worth on things differently. Another person may spend eight hours in line on Black Friday to buy something and say it was worth it. If that's what you like to do, go right ahead. There's a thing called the internet now that makes it really nice, right? You don't have to stand in line. You see, when people step back and look at these things, do they really have worth? Do they really have worth? Do they really have value? People will sacrifice and save for months and even years to buy one special thing they place such great worth on. And yet, sacrificing for the Lord seems like a foreign concept. Presenting our treasures, opening our treasures, opening what is valuable to us, to God. No, 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 we can't do that. Oh, God, I've given you my heart, but my life and my treasures, those those belong to me. Let me ask you, what, what do you value in this life? What do you put worth on? And whatever that is, may I ask you this morning, have you opened it for Jesus? Whatever it is to say, I'm going to, whatever the, whatever the value is, say, Lord, it's yours. I'm going to open it so that it belongs to you. It's going to be yours, Lord. This is for you. They opened their treasures. They presented him gifts of gold and frankincense. They, they, they brought these things from far. These things were not for themselves. They said, they, they said these things are important to us. They're valuable to us. But yet we are willing to give them to the king of kings. Willing to give them to Jesus. What do you put worth on? Do we put value and worth on the things that please God? Or do we just look at the things that please God and we're like, well, that's just, you know, that's just the that's just Bible stuff. No, no, it's not Bible stuff. It's about Jesus. It's about the King who came to this earth to give his life for you and for me. May I say, friend, the only thing that truly has worth in this life is what we do for the King of Kings. That's it. That's it. That's the only thing that truly has worth and value because everything else is going to be left behind. All the years that you spent at your job, you know what? You're not going to take it with you. The retirement that you saved up, you're not going to take it with you. All the, 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 the toys and the trinkets and the hobbies and all the things that we spend all the money on, we're not going to take it with us. The only thing that is truly of worth and of value is what we do for the King of Kings. Are we willing to open up for Him? 
Are we willing to open our heart to Him? Say, Lord, it's yours. Are we willing to open our lives and say, Lord, it's yours? Are we willing to open our treasure and say, Lord, it's all yours? We belong to you. You see, gifts are meant to be opened. And here's what we have the privilege of doing. Saying, Lord, I give myself to you. Maybe you're here this morning, you have never opened your heart to him. Why not today? You say, Lord, I'm going to open my heart to you. Lord, I'm, I'm not going to wait any longer. I'm not going to put it off another day. Today, I'm going to open my heart to Jesus Christ and put my faith and trust in you. Christian, what about you? You say, well, I've already done that. Great. What about your life? Have you opened your life to him? Said, Lord, whatever you want for me, I'm willing to do. Have you opened your treasures, what's really valuable to you, and said, Lord, it's all yours. I open it up for you. Whatever you want, it's yours. I wonder with our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning. No one looking about. Friend, maybe you're here today. And you say, Pastor, I, I do not know if I'm saved. I know God's been working in my heart. God's been speaking to me. He's been working, and I know I need to be saved. I know I need to open my heart to Jesus Christ. I know I need to do that. I haven't done it. I've been fighting it. I've been putting it off, and I know I need to do it. Friend, if that's you here this morning, nobody else is looking around. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. But friend, if that's you this morning, and you say, Pastor, I, that's me. I need to open my heart to Jesus today. Can't put it off another day. I need to do it today. Would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down and say, Pastor, that's me. I need to open my heart to Jesus. Yes, you can put it down. Thank you. Someone else. Hey, Pastor, would you pray for me? I need to open my heart to Jesus today. Just slip it up, put it right back down. Someone else. Pastor, pray for me. Friend, do you know for sure if you died today where you'd go? That's why Jesus came. To die on the cross. For your sin and for my sin. So that we could have that gift of eternal life. If you're here today and you don't know that, and you say, I would like to open my heart to Jesus Christ. In just a moment, we're going to have what we call an invitation. In just a moment, the piano is going to play. And if you truly want to open your heart to Jesus Christ, I'm just going to, I'm going to be standing right down here in front. And you can just meet me right here. If you're a man, I'll have a man talk with you. If you're a lady, I'll have a lady talk with you. And you can know how you can open your heart to Jesus Christ. But Christian, what about you? You say, Pastor, yes, I know I'm saved. Have you opened your life to him? Or are you still kind of holding on and running your life the way you want it run? Have you opened your treasures of what's truly valuable to you and say, Lord, here they are, it's yours. I give it all to you. Lord, it's yours. I want you to truly have what is of value. Lord, I give it to you. Would you open those gifts for Jesus today? Let him control your life. Give to him what is of true value. And follow him. Serve him. With their heads bowed and their eyes closed, we're just going to stand quietly.
Everybody else, everybody's head bowed, everybody's eyes closed. The piano's just going to play softly.